Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. As we continue with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, uh, I hope that you didn't hear in yesterday's devotional us putting down prayer in any way, because today we're going to focus an entire devotional on the importance of prayer, uh, is because Jesus focuses on the importance of prayer. So we are in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, where we read this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for a friendship's sake, If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, If your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we have the Lord's Prayer, which is a bit more abbreviated than the one in Matthew's account, but it still has all the same six elements. There's the, we pray to God as our Father, you know, we're part of that family. We pray that God's name would be honored. We pray that God's kingdom would come and more fully enter into the world. We pray for our daily bread, or as it says here, our our food, uh, this daily provision. We pray for forgiveness um, with the conditional that it's as we forgive others, which is a very scary kind of prayer to pray. And then finally, we pray that we would be delivered rather than be tempted. Um, and if you go into the prayer chapel in our Arlington building, you'll see this prayer hexagon with all these six elements of prayer uh, listed. Because we, we take this prayer not to be that you have to literally pray these exact words, but these are kind of six helpful dimensions of prayer that can be used to address whatever situation uh, we might face. And so it's a fantastic template for how, you know, whenever we pray. But Luke's focus on prayer here, whereas Matthew seems to be more about forgiveness, Luke's here seems to be more about our attitude and heart in prayer, and especially our persistence in prayer. You know, that uh, a persistence in prayer that should be based on a rock-solid belief that God actively desires to answer our prayers. Um, There's this rabbinic principle called uh, heavy and light. Jesus uses this uh, by proving the light example first proves 
heavy one is true. So, so what's, what's the, the light case? What's the, the less weighty case? He says, well, imagine you go to your friend's house and your friend initially doesn't want to help you. It's after midnight. He's already in bed, but you're persistent. And so eventually your friend will get out of your bed just to get you out of his hair and will give you the bread that you need to entertain your guest. Well, if your friend will do this just because you keep knocking, well, then of course, that's the light example. Then of course, God, who loves you far much more than this friend who almost can't be bothered, of course, God is going to answer your prayer. And I think kind of the, the turnaround on this is there's this kind of irony that we might imagine that God is kind of like our reluctant friend, that we have to bother God in order to receive an answer to prayer. And of course, that's not the case. But if even a, a, a reluctant friend is going to answer our prayer, then of course God wants to honor your prayer. And then Jesus makes it even more personal. He says, you know, you, you dads or you parents, if your child is hungry, are you going to, you know, instead of bread, are you going to give them a snake? Instead of an egg, you're going to give them a scorpion? Uh, and, and as we talked about a few days ago, you and I, Dave, you know, you pointed out that snakes and scorpions were symbols of just evil things. Like, I you know if, if our children ask us for something good, are we going to give them something terrible? I mean, maybe as a practical joke as a dad, but not really. And, and it's a little much. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a little much. And especially as, as it's a symbol for something evil, of course, we're not going to do that. And so if your friend is going to give you what you need, if you're, if you as a dad are, you know, though we are, you know, sinful, we're going to give our children what we need out of love, then of course we should expect that our heavenly father who loves us far more and doesn't have the taint of, of self-service and sin that we do, of course, our heavenly father will want to answer our prayers. And so applying it um, to, you know, our situation, I think really the encouragement here is to bring everything to God in prayer and to continue to continue to pray, as long as it is an active need, as long as it is something that is on our hearts, to bring these things to God and to to do so because we have this confidence that Jesus speaks of here, that even as much as we as broken people understand friendship and understand parenthood, even in, even though oftentimes those things are very broken in our lives, we still rely on those things. They still bring good things into our lives. So even more, imagine those, you know, with someone who's far greater, far more loving and not tainted by sin. Of course, God, who is that, is going to want to answer our prayers. And I, I love how Paul kind of returns to this very same idea um, uh, in Romans 8.32, where he puts it this way. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how much more will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Dave, I'm wondering what you see uh, in today's prayer, uh, today's passage and, and in your own prayer life. Well, I think the first thing that, you know, every time we preach on this passage, we always point out that and I think it's such an important point. In verse one, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so the, the question is, is there something about the way that Jesus prayed that made them want to say, oh, well, I want to pray like that. Uh, well, I would argue, no. I actually think that what it is, is there's something in the way that he lived in in his his incredible love, his his miraculous power. You know, they, they saw all of these things that were just kind of blowing their minds and they're starting to connect. If they see Jesus keep going away to pray to pray, they realize there's something about the way that Jesus prays that shows up in the way that Jesus lives and shows up in the way that Jesus loves. And because I want to live in love like that, 
can you show me how to do the prayer part? That the thing that you're doing that you know isn't so obvious. I need I want I need to learn that. And I think too often as modern Christians, we want to figure out how to live like Jesus and love like Jesus, but without praying like Jesus. Which is to say, I, I want to imitate love and I want to try to use my own power and marshal whatever other kind of maybe I can get political power or financial power or you know, cleverness. I mean, whatever. We try to do all of those things like Jesus, not realizing that the way Jesus was able to do it was through prayer. So I think just that that sense that the disciples had kind of finally made that connection. It took them this long, but finally they made that connection. Uh, and so now Jesus teaches about prayer. We've talked about this past so many times, and there's just so much to cover here. So I'm going to skip to, I think, maybe the points that we don't make every time we preach on this, only just because I think people have heard it before. Um, the first one I think uh, that sticks out to me is verse six. A friend of mine had just arrived for a visit. I've got nothing left for him. I've got nothing for him to eat. Um, and I, I want you to notice that this is the example. You talked about heavy light, right? This is the light example, but Jesus is using as this paradigm. What Jesus isn't saying here is, hey, I need something, right? So give it to me, for me. He's actually saying, hey, I need someone, something so that I can actually serve, so that I can bless, so that I can bring hospitality. If my prayer is, give me what I need so that I can not have to need you anymore. God, give me all I need so that I can be all set. I can go on my own way. Thank you very much, which is actually what a lot of us want. We want to have just enough, whatever, money, a big enough house that I'm secure and I don't need to be dependent on God anymore. And I'm not sure how excited God is to answer that prayer. But if it's a prayer, God, I want to serve. And I need you to do something in me or give something to me so that I can give it away. Those are the kind of prayers I think that are paradigmatic. And I think that's actually what is being modeled for us here in, in, uh, in verse six, is, six and, and, and following. Then the, the, uh, the next piece, I, I just, you touched on this lightly, but I just want to kind of like dial in a little bit more because so often when we preach this passage, we end up spending all of our time in the ask, seek, knock, which is great. Uh, but we don't talk enough about this uh, verses uh, 11 and through, uh, 11 through 13. Um, you already talked about how, gosh, if, if your fathers will do this, you know, if you ask them for something good, are they going to give you something bad? And, and then he even goes further and says, you know, verse 13. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, your heavenly father give what we're expecting is good gifts to his children? And, and I think that's already a great question because, you know, I give the best gifts I can, but honestly, sometimes I don't really know what the best thing is. And, and so, but, but my, my motive are, is, is right, right? Like I want to bless, but sometimes there are a lot of situations with kids where I'm not sure what the best gift is in this circumstance. But here's what I do know is oftentimes it is not to give them the thing they asked for because I want good for them. And I might know, hey, that thing they're asking for, that's not going to be good. Yeah, They're asking for an egg. They don't realize they're asking for a scorpion egg. That thing is going to grow up and crack open and bite them. And so God knows actually how to give good gifts, right? I think that already is sort of the, the implication. But then it, what is the good gift that God gives? Well, the, well, the good gift that God is going to give is going to be... I'm going to get into college I prayed for. I'm going to get the grade I wanted. I'm going to get the land the account that I was hoping for. I'm going to get that promotion. All of those things. And that's actually not what God's 
promising here. It says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That is the good gift. The good gift isn't stuff. The good gift is God himself. That as we seek God, God is going to come to us and live in us and be with us. That's much more than any of the things that God can do for us or give to us. God is going to come to us. And I think that's such a big, big distinction. Understanding the point of prayer is not to get stuff from God. It's to get God. That's actually the point of prayer. It's not to, you know, to solve a problem. It's to now be reunited so I can walk with God in the midst of this problem. I can be in still in the valley, valley of the shadow of death. Maybe that's where I need to be right now. Maybe that is the best place for me to be. And what does prayer do? Prayer says, I, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they give me comfort. Right? That we're able to see God in that space with us, that God's spirit is with us. That's the real answer to our prayer, which then is what allows us to go forward and actually you know, make good choices and, and experience full life, even in circumstances that we might have wanted to pray away but would have missed the opportunity for God to join us in that space and have it become transformative for us or for other people. Yeah, it's the point of prayer. It's the point of life. I'm immediately reminded of Abraham hearing from God after this you know, lifelong journey, hearing from God, you know, Abraham, I am your very great reward. Like in the end, that's the real reward. It's not even this son who's going to bless the world. It's no, Abraham, I am your reward. Well, it's an easy lesson to forget. It's an easy purpose of prayer to forget. So I'm going to pray for us that, that we might remember this this week. Good. Uh, our good and gracious God, it is so easy to focus on your gifts and forget the giver behind the gifts. Lord, uh, wet our appetites in such a way that we will hunger more and more for you this season of Lent, that as we put other things aside that get in the way, that distract us, Lord, that we might develop this deeper hunger, this deeper appetite for who you are, the Spirit being present in our lives. Lord, and where we receive these things, Lord, may we also have this same heart expressed by Jesus in this prayer, that we would want these things, we would want you so that we can give more of you, not just for ourselves, but to give you to others as well. In all of this, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're so glad that you joined us. And just for this beginning of this Lenten season, and I pray that this whole Lenten journey is going to be a real blessing to you as we march together towards Easter, where we will be ready to receive new life with Christ. We look forward to seeing you again on Monday when we pick this back up.